David Eichel here with HawkeyeInsider.com. As always, Sean Bach. Sean, uh, before we really dive into this, I know we, we've made it public on, on Twitter and everything, but I think we should talk about it on the podcast really quick. Uh, very happy for Sean, who's officially a full-time, uh, full-time with 24-7. It, uh, full-time contributor. It's been, a, I think, a long time coming, Sean. I think you surprised a lot of people and they didn't, <laughs> about you saying you were full-time. I think a lot of people already knew that, but uh, you know, well earned by you. Congratulations, and uh, let's keep this thing uh, keep this thing rolling. Yeah, man. I mean, I just kind of want to focus on. Well, first of all, I just want to say, yeah, thank you to everyone for reading um, our stuff. You make all this stuff possible. Um, I really do, really do appreciate. I know Dave does as well. So, want to keep this baby rolling for as long as we can. Definitely, and I mean, I'll, I'll add on. I signed an extension as well, so I mean, we'll be here for. For years to come uh, and to celebrate the Iowa win last night and that uh, you can get two months of premium VIP Hawkeye Insider access for literally one dollar, which is an absolute steal when <laughs> especially with all the recruiting news that's been coming out and Iowa landing Josh Dix in the 2022 basketball class. But we'll dive into that a little bit later this week. But, Sean, I think we have a game we got to talk about the most highly anticipated Iowa Iowa State game of all time. And Iowa didn't falter. Uh, they they came out it was a little bit slow, I think, for both teams. But man, I mean that that Iowa defense continues to somehow exceed expectations, Sean. I mean, I really don't know what more we can say about them. And it's it's very interesting to uh, think back to the the fall scrimmage and what the secondary showed that day and what the defense showed that day. And I think you and I talked about it at the end of that podcast. It might be the best thing that happened to that Iowa defense. I mean, we saw how you know peed off Bill Parker was after that scrimmage made a V line right to the locker room. And I don't even want to know what he probably said to them. Let's be real. But uh, it was probably not appropriate for the podcast, but Sean, I mean, the, the secondary showed up big four takeaways from Iowa state. Let's, let's dive into it. I mean, it was, it was a pretty all around outstanding performance for the Iowa secondary. Yeah, it was it was very impressive, and you know it was Matt or it was Riley Moss in week one. Obviously, Dane Belton had an interception too, but this week you get uh, Matt Hankins, and then at linebacker you get Justin Jacobs, two guys that really seem to put together a great a great game for Iowa. And you know Matt Hankins, he's gone through a lot throughout his career. I remember you know he's been you know a starter for a while, but. You know, a lot of people have been critical of him. I don't think it's been to the point of Riley Moss criticism, but, you know, Hankins has had kind of an up-and-down career throughout his time at Iowa, you know, especially when he started. I believe he got, if I'm not mistaken, he got benched a couple years ago for his play. And, you know, just to see that level of, you know, him being able to rise and rise to the occasion in a really big game. And, you know, he made – the plays he made were really big ones and not just – you know, that the two interceptions that he had, but how about in the first half when he broke up that deep pass that looked like it was going to be an Iowa state touchdown that I know a lot of Iowa state fans were kind of upset that they didn't get a pass interference call, but there was another one like that later on in the game where Hankins broke it up. And yeah, I thought his play was really good. And, you know, there was, there were moments where I think veteran guys like Jack Kerner maybe would want a player two back from that game, but I think you have to look at the final result and just the way that Iowa's defense was able to perform is incredible. Like it was just, it was just a really weird, a really weird game. It was, 
I know, I know, like that's kind of a cliche, but it just felt like a really odd game because Iowa's offense, whenever they were on the field outside of a couple of drives, like the only way they scored the football, if I'm not mistaken, was off turnovers. They got 37 think, in two games. They got 37 points off seven turnovers. I believe that's about 5.3 points per turnover, which is, I mean, that's that's absolutely insane, Sean. Um, yeah. I think that you know the thing that really separates this secondary from past years. I mean, there's swagger and there's a lot of confidence with this team. I think you look at the post game tweets just in itself. And I think the thing that really stood out to me, Sean was in the post game when Matt Hankins was asked why he really didn't do much to celebrate after he had the first interception, he just goes, you just got to act like you've been here before. And that was like one of those eye opening comments to me because he opened that press conference by saying, truthfully, I could have done better. He took a lot of the blame for the big 49-yard pass that Brock Purdy had. Uh, I believe it's Darren Wilson that would set up their first touchdown drive of the game. But Jack Kerner, I, I don't think he was in a good position to make that play. And I was not a big fan of the prevent defense in that standpoint. I think you only do the prevent defense when you're doing a Hail Mary or kind of a, you know, just kind of whatever. Um, but no, I, I think you're exactly right about Hankins. I think that – he has had an up and down career, but this secondary, Sean, we kind of led up to it. And I think a lot of people were kind of speculating because it didn't have that household name entering this year, but this is probably the best Iowa secondary it's ever had, at least in the Kirk Ferentz era, just as a collective unit, there's been no weakness among the bunch. Yeah. There might be a mistake here or there, but it's pretty incredible what, what they've done so far. Yeah. And I think you look back at the Indiana game. I honestly think that was more, I don't want to say more of an impressive showing than it was this week because, I mean, getting Iowa State to bench Brock Purdy, a guy that's been their starter for, what, the last – Four years. Yeah, four years. And, like, started in the middle of the 2018 season. I think he took the job over. Then you talk about 2019 where they had a good year, 2020 where they had arguably their best year in school hist- – in program history. And for Iowa State to bench him, like, that's – and for Iowa to like get them to do that, that's very. That's Iowa's very two for impressive. two in benching right now, quarterbacks, and these are two that's very right. highly respected quarterbacks. Yeah, probably up near the top in their respective conferences. I would say. I mean, I know yeah. Brock Purdy. Obviously, Iowa State fans would say he's probably up there. Um, but in terms of consistency, from what I've seen, you know, he's kind of just had a weird career. We were talking yeah. about that with Michael Swain of our Iowa State site yesterday just that he seems to like try to do too much when he's struggling. And that's ultimately what one of his big downfalls was. But yeah, I thought that, you know, the run game, I thought Iowa State did a good, or Iowa did a good job of limiting them. Um, I thought the defensive line, I thought Joe Evans was probably the standout defensive lineman from the day. I think he had five hurries on the game and I know he had a sack. I, I honestly thought the tackling was a little, was a little meh for most of the game. I, I think through Brees Hall and his too. couple big runs. And I think, Sean, we do need to mention, I think I think John Wagner really did a good job in the first couple of drives setting the tone because he wasn't getting pressure, but he had the two pass deflections, which halted their drives immediately. Right. Yeah, and that, and that goes off the Hankins stuff too when he had that big pass when he broke up that pass that was going to be a touchdown um, had Iowa State caught that. But, yeah, I mean, I thought the defense – I think the linebackers didn't really have their best game. I thought Justin Jacobs obviously was really good, but I think Jack Campbell 
and Seth Benson. I know Benson kind of struggled a little bit in coverage, but I, that's what kind of what you have to expect when you're going up against a Big 12 offense because, yep. you know, they like to spread it out while Iowa is more of a physical kind of like um, defense that, you know, I think the linebackers are good in coverage, but I don't think that's going to be a strength. You know, I think they rely a lot on their secondary to cover a ton of ground. And I think that's where the guy like Justin Jacobs came into such big play. I mean, I know Charlie Kohler had four receptions, the Iowa State tight end, but there were a couple times where Jacobs looked really good in pass coverage yeah. and just moved really well. I think his, I think he had one of the higher pass coverage grades on pro football focus for Iowa. Um, and he, yeah, he just looked really good. That was a really, I know a lot of people were, when Seth Wallace mentioned it earlier in the week that, Iowa was going to go more with the with the four three look. Um, you know, a lot of people thought it was going to be a smoke screen, but you know they went with it and it worked out. I mean, Justin Jacobs was really good for Iowa. He's putting um, it together. He, he is, is, yeah. He he was very he was very strong for them, and um, you know I think the linebackers didn't have their best game, but you know other guys picked them up, and that's kind of what makes a good defense. And I think the thing, Sean, is I was not doing things to hurt themselves. I mean, remember last year, the first couple of games, they were struggling with penalties as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I think this has kind of been an underlying storyline. I mean, Iowa had five for 50. There was a couple. There was one really the weird call, though, where it was Kyler Fisher's helmet came off and he kept continuing to play. And that was a 15-yard penalty. And I, I hadn't heard of that pe- penalty in, in memory if I'd even ever heard of it before. So that was an interesting one. And I think Iowa only had two penalties in week one. So, I mean, I think that goes a long way. And Iowa's not shooting themselves in the foot. They're, they're not. I mean, they're, they're waiting for Iowa State to make their mistakes, and they did. And I think the thing is, too, you talk about winning the game within the margins, Sean. I mean, people might say some of the interceptions are a fluke because it bounces off a receiver's hand or it goes through. Well, the player still has to be in the right position to be able to make the play and capitalize off it. And that's exactly what Iowa has done. I mean, Seth Benson had his interception the other day. He was a step behind, but he was still in the right position to be able to make the play after the ball slipped through the wide receiver's hand. So I don't think you can really overlook that. And, you know, it was interesting listening to Justin Jacobs, Sean, yesterday when he talked about forcing the fumble when Jack Campbell had the scoop and score. He said he didn't even realize he punched the ball out till after he like looked up and all of a sudden Campbell's in the end zone. And when you look at the angle on it, I mean, I, I it, he just got off a block and his body shifted and he just kind of grabbed on the hall, but he punched the ball just enough. And it was really one of those just football savvy plays. And I think that strictly in the film room, I think that's strictly a lot of strength and power. I mean, Justin, what he's, you know, what they've done to him physically is pretty, pretty insane. Uh, but, Sean, we'll, we'll dive in here. The questions, I know there's a lot of people about the, the one talking about Petrus. There's a lot of people that want to talk about the O-line. Um, but really, the last talking point before we get to these questions is Tory Taylor's probably a top three punter in the country. I mean, what he was doing yesterday was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Sean, he's – I think the – I think yesterday he – his average was more than the NFL leader from last year. And he punted seven times last night. And I know it's a small sample size, but like Taylor's getting these off effortlessly. And that 69 yarder he had probably would have went 80 had Terry Roberts not downed it. But to be fair to Terry Roberts, it did look like at least from the press box that went off the Iowa state guy's foot. So I think it was still a really good savvy play by him to at least take that precaution. But yeah, I mean, Sean, I mean, Tory Taylor, 
you talk about one of your best offensive weapons, I think you need to throw Tory Taylor in that category. Yeah, and Quinn Douglas put out a really good stat too um, about average starting position, field position by quarter. So Iowa State, first quarter, started out average was the ISU 15, second, ISU 20, third, ISU 21, fourth, ISU 22. That is really, that like all starts with, yeah, like, you know, the preference is to score the football, get the football in the end zone. But when you have a weapon like Tory Taylor that's able to set you back as much as he did, like that is huge. And look at Iowa. Iowa started on the 38 in the first quarter. Second quarter, average was 40. Third, the Iowa State 45. Fourth, Iowa 34. That is like, obviously, you know, 34 mm-hmm. is closer to the other numbers, but that's a 25, 20 yard difference that makes, you know, all the difference <laughs> in a yeah. game like that. You know, and even with Iowa's offense, with the way they weren't able to move the ball as well, um, that's still, like, that's just a huge, like, just boost for them, you know. And, you know, just, I mean, obviously with last last week, we talked a lot about the defense, and Torrey Taylor didn't have his best game, but that was just to see how much of an impact he makes. You, I mean, you saw it last night. I think, and, and I think, you know, Caleb Shudak, Obviously, he missed. He had the missed field goal, but that was just due to a bad snap. I really don't think it was his as much his fault. Um, but he got the job done. Charlie Jones, man, I don't know how he avoids the first tackler every single time because there are a couple of them, Sean. Where you know you kind of cringe almost because you know a guy's just about to take a massive hit, and it looked like there was a couple of times where he did that, and he somehow just I don't know if it's his quick feet or his short, just short area quickness to be able to avoid those guys, or if it's a natural knack of it. It's just uh, it's interesting to see just how complete this Iowa special teams is. And, you know, I know a lot of people are going to make a big deal about, you know, the lack of yardage. And I do think there is some something you need to take away from that. But at the same time, if you're taking over an opposing territory and you're still putting points on the board, like it really doesn't matter. Like I know some people are talking about Iowa State double the yardage, Iowa State this, Iowa State that. Yeah, but it, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's still football. Iowa put up 10 points in the third quarter, Sean, and they had negative six yards in the third quarter. I mean, that, that's just a very Kirk Ferentz-like uh, team. But there's a lot – like, there's – this is going to be a very interesting football team to follow because they passed both tests with flying colors, and I think this is an ideal situation for Iowa, especially on, on the offensive end. They did enough to not give the game away and to basically put themselves in obviously a position to win. But now they're going up against two. I don't want to call it tune-up games, but I mean, there's, you know, Kent State, Colorado State, no, anywhere near Iowa State, Indiana. This is the next two weeks are going to be such a big thing to utilize for momentum and confidence for this offense going forward. They got to be able to string some drives together. I think they need to get Tyler Goodson going on the ground. I think that the especially the offensive tackles, they got to get some consistency and they got to get some confidence and the wide receivers have to get involved. They have to, you're not going to be a big 10 championship team. If you don't have wide receiver involvement, even as elite as Iowa's defense has been, Iowa does have good players, at wide receiver, but they got to be able to get them the ball and put them in a position to succeed. Right. And you know, the term defense travels in basketball that I think that applies for football, but with football, one or two plays can make a huge difference in the game. While basketball, you know, that obviously holds true, but football, that seems to carry a little more weight. 
So if your defense, you know, gives up one or two big plays and, you know, can't force any turnovers, which seems hard to believe now with this Iowa team, you know, you have to have an offense to lean back on at times. And through the first two games, I mean, you see improvement, but, you know, the run game outside of Tyler Goodson's one touchdown run against Indiana on the first drive, like it hasn't really been there. I mean, I've liked what I've seen from Ivory Kelly Martin, but with Goodson, I just haven't seen it yet. And, you know, that that falls back on the offensive line too. Yeah. I thought the offensive line run blocking was okay on Saturday. Not anything bad, but not good. Um, I thought the pass blocking could have been better too. I didn't think – I thought – I mean, I think with Iowa State too, that's going to be one of the better defensive teams that Iowa plays this year. Yep. Their defensive front is really good. Yep. And they is. were without Orion Vance, and their linebackers are very good. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I think you got to take away some of that and be like, okay, yes, they're going to play some good defensive teams too, but I don't know if there's one that's going to be up there with Iowa State. I think... Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin's going to be good. I think Penn State. Penn, Penn State's talented. I don't know how good they are defensively. I think they're talented, though. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how how that all goes about with Big Ten play. I think, I think the next two games for the offense are going to be critical. I mean, believe yep. it or not, like non-conference games, yeah, like, you know, they don't hold as much weight, but those are games that you have to win, and those are games where – you're able to do different things and you're able to work on different things that maybe you wouldn't do in a conference game. If like the situation allows it, obviously, you know, Colorado state is not good. I'm expecting Iowa to win that one big, but Kent state offense is pretty prolific. So, and the defense is not that good. So I think these next two games could be real confidence boosters for the yeah. offense and, you know, just getting that foundation, getting that confidence going into conference play, because I mean, yeah, I know Maryland's not, you know, anything sexy, but you know, they're, they're passing the ball. Well, pass it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say there's, this is going to sound weird. I would say they're a sexy team in terms of like the talent that they got on the field, yeah. Yep. but it's like, are they a good football team? That's the big question. Um, but I mean, they're diff- they're a big 10 team and you know, your defense could be really good, but if the offense isn't there, like how much can you really rely on that? Like, what's the ceiling of a team that where the offense is not playing average close? Yeah, playing near to the level of the defense. 10 2. I mean, that's that's probably my opinion. And that's why I picked Iowa to go 10 2. But I did think the offense would be a little bit farther along. But we'll dive into this with some questions because I know there's a lot of them, Sean. But I will say, I think you're exactly right about the confidence booster. I think the next two weeks, even though it's against lesser opponents, you got to see Tyler Goodson go for over 100 yards in both games. You got to see wide receivers get a touchdown. You got to see Spencer Petras stay in the pocket and deliver the throws. Because when he sets his feet, he is a totally different quarterback. I mean, that throw to Charlie Jones at 26 yards, that might be the best throw he's ever made in an Iowa uniform. I know the long ball to 
Demir Smith-Marset was great last year. But that Charlie Jones one, that was so perfect and so out of reach of the defense. And Charlie still can make a great catch, don't get me wrong. But he didn't put it in harm's way. And it was, I mean, that was, it was a, it was a pro level. It was an NFL level throw. It was, but you guys see them get involved and you guys see Tyler Goodson be able to go. And you guys see the O-line get some consistency. I, I know the issue is not at guard right now. I do think though, that Kyler shot's going to be a big difference maker when he comes back and he's healthy, just because he's consistent. And I think that confidence does trend along the offensive line. And again, I know people are going to be all over. I think Mason Richmond, Mason Richmond's going to be a really good tackle. I think he's going to be a really, really good alignment for Iowa. He's got all the tools in the world. He's just got to continue to develop and continue to get that experience, which is what the next two weeks are for. Uh, so let's dive into this, Sean. It's how can we get Tyler Goodson going? Outside of one run this season, he has been non-factor. It worries me going forward. Uh, I mean, I'll start with this. Sean, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, I, it's, I mean, first of all, it's not all Tyler Goodson. It's not. It's not all the O-line. It's a combination of both. I do think the run blocking has a lot left to be desired specifically on the outside. I think there's a reason why Sean, we're not seeing as much outside zone because we don't know if the tackles can really handle that at this point. And I will be fair. I mean, it's not even just the O-line's fault. I mean, what was it? The 20 yarder uh, Goodson did get in on this drive, Sean, but remember the Goodson could have went got to the outside, but Potabom missed the very last guy. I think it was the same exact play that they ran on that 56 yarder against Indiana but Potabom and the tight ends hit that block, but Potabom missed it on Saturday. And that would have been a touchdown. They ran the same play later. Potabom hit the block, and I think Goodson got 16, 17 yards, but wasn't as open because they'd shown that look before earlier in the game. So I think Tyler is still going to be a very dynamic back. I think he's got a big, big games this year. I think he's going to win Iowa a game with a big performance. I also think at times – He's not I, – I know what you were saying about Ivory Kelly Martin. You like the way he, he explodes through between the, in the trenches and the tackles. I mean, that burst that he has, it's pretty it, – it's a different – a little bit of a different gear than Tyler. I think Tyler is dancing around the, the tackles too much because he's looking for that next big play, that next 56 yarder that, like he had. I think if he just continued to move his feet, he'd be getting two, three, four more yards – on the ground with some of those that were stopped short. I wouldn't worry about Tyler. He's a diligent worker. He's versatile. They're going to figure it out. The O-line is what I'm more worried about than Tyler Goodson. But I will say, I like Ivory, what I've seen from him, Sean. But at the same time, you're wondering if he's going to fumble the ball every time he touches it. Yeah, we'll say on pro football focus, Goodson's runs yesterday, the ones that were off the right side tight end, um, he was 3 of 22, so three carries for 22 yards. Yep. Um, with that 13-yard run. To the left, he was he had three carries for two yards. So, I mean, take with that what you will. But, you know, I think the stats can be skewed because of a big run. But, I mean, it was similar to what it was last week with that touchdown run. I think yeah. he just seems more comfortable running to the right side. And, you know, I, I think that's common with most running backs. But I think that holds a lot of truth with this with Goodson as well. And you've seen that in games. He hasn't been too, too productive running up the middle as of late. I think he's getting like two to three yards per carry. If that, I mean, that's, that's something that's got to get better. And I think we saw more potential. I think we saw more improvement with that last year than we did this year at this point um, with Goodson. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'll figure it out. I think it'll figure itself out. I think is the offensive line 
continues to work with each other more that everything's going to come together a little bit, but you definitely like to get Goodson more um, production, just more holes for him to be as good as he is. So again, I mean, I, I think the way you get him going is I think you trust the outside zone. I think you go to the right. And I think Luke Lachey, I think has made some really nice blocks when they, when they pulled him and, and he's kind of led the way I really liked what I saw to him. I think Iowa's just got to continue that mantra. And I think the reality is if, if they break off a couple of bigger runs, I think the confidence is going to go a long way. I think confidence, strength, and swagger, if they have that, I mean, I think they'll be able to get going. So I, I look for more outside runs. Um, I like to see Iowa utilize the play action more too. I really think that that could be a very big weapon, even in the run game. I don't think that they've really kind of gotten away from that. And how many times over the years, Sean, have we seen Iowa have a big play due to a big play action throw? I mean, I think back to this, you know, the first thing pops in my head is 2015 Big Ten title, first play of the fourth quarter, play action, they throw a bomb to Tavon Smith, goes 80 yards, touchdown. Um, so we'll see. I, I think more outside zone, sticking to the right. And I'm also, again, I think once Kyler Schott gets in there, and again, I know it's not guard, I do think that that's going to be just going to help it um, in that regard too. Thoughts on the O-line play thus far versus competition? I think we kind of already dove into that. I mean, Tyler Linderbaum's just doing what Tyler Linderbaum does. He's proven he's going to be a potential top 15, top 20 pick based on a couple of mock drafts I've seen. If he likes to go to the NFL after the season, I think the tackles have potential. They got to continue to develop. And I think once Kyler Schock gets back, I think Iowa's going to be fine come October. But the next two weeks, like you said, Sean might be the two, two of the most critical weeks just as far as where this team's potential can actually go for the rest of the season. Yeah, most definitely. And we dove into that earlier. Um, so we don't have to get too much into it, but yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think this is a, this is a week where they can really get the run game going. And I think too, they can air it out. I think you want to see a guy like Tyrone Tracy get more targets. Cause I think six targets or two games is not enough for him. I know Iowa State, I thought, did a pretty good job of staying on him, but there were a couple times again where I thought Petrus might have missed him downfield. Yep. And they could have been, you know, potential big plays. I know, you know, you got tight windows and you never know what's going to happen, but I think, you know, Iowa might need to take some of those risks even more with Tracy down there. I will say this too. I meant to bring this up earlier and I spaced it. Uh, I don't think it's fair to throw the whole blame on Petrus. I know he's a quarterback. It's easy to, but like there are times I think where the pocket collapsed so quickly. I don't even know if Iowa's receivers were able to break out of their routes. So I think that's something I'll need to watch closer in film, but that's something that's kind of crossed my mind as well. Uh, offense, defense, and special teams MVP through two games. Uh, I mean, Tory Taylor, <laughs> special team. Tory Taylor, Tory Taylor and Charlie Jones. Charlie for Jones. Sure. The offense is, I mean, Tyler Linderbaum. Seriously. Uh, on offense. Petrus for not making any mistakes. I think that's I think that's a plus. I think that's a big positive. He was the highest score on pro football focus for the offense today, which I thought was a little surprising. Um but I think it's surprising from say... this standpoint too, Sean, is he took three third down sacks in opposing territory, didn't get rid of the yeah. ball. I mean, they took him out of field goal range twice. Yeah, I'd have to look at um, his week one. But, I mean, I think Cody Inns did a good job. I thought he was the best offensive lineman on Saturday for Iowa. Um, and pro football folks backed it up. 
I'm going to go with – I don't want to say Petrus, but I think I'm going to go with Petrus. I thought Laporta, too. I mean, he I, was, yeah. the thing, I, that's more week one, though. But Laporta was targeted six times yesterday and only had one reception, which I thought was kind of eye-opening. Yeah. Especially considering that he's Petrus' safety valve. And, you know, the one catch that he did have was a big catch for a first down. I'm going to say Petrus yeah. now. But – I, that's tough because it that's what's a little concerning is that like you can't really spot one yep. you know yep exactly what I was thinking too defense I mean I think you could say four people I mean I, I you know what Phil Parker I'm going Phil Parker I don't care I know it's a coach huh. I, I I think the game plans he's had the past two weeks have been stellar I know Iowa gave up that late touchdown uh against Iowa State I mean, Phil Parker schemed up things beautifully. and But you could also go – I mean, I think you could go Jack Campbell. I think you could go Matt Hankins. I think you could go Riley Moss. So, I mean, Sean, we could cop this out easily and just be like the entire secondary. Because Iowa's secondary has been the best in the country at this point. I think the top three defenses in the country right now, it's Alabama, Georgia, and Iowa. Probably. That sounds about right. So I would say I would say the corners to be more specific. I would say the cornerbacks because yeah. I thought Riley Moss. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought he had a decent game yesterday too. I thought he did. I mean, there was just no picks, but it was interesting. Right. I think they threw more to Matt Hankins because of Riley Moss's two picks. So I think it will be very interesting to see how teams go forward trying to attack this Iowa secondary because they go one side, well, it's two pick sixes. Well, the other side, okay, it's still two picks, and then. Mm-hmm. Jack Kerner's going to come up with an interception or two. I think Kevon Merriweather will as well. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how it all yeah. unfolds. I uh, thought Kerner, Kerner and Belton, I think, got caught up in that, um, that in the prevent long defense. reception for Iowa yeah. State. Uh, let's see. After today's game, who poses the toughest challenge going forward? Wisconsin, I would say. I'd, I know. I'm, I'm debating between Penn State and Wisconsin. Uh, I think I think Penn State from a talent perspective, but I think Wisconsin just being as similar as a team to Iowa. And it's in the West. Yes. That's going to be more critical. And it's in Madison on Halloween. Yep. Yeah, yep. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, Wisconsin just for – yeah, that was a good point. Unproven players coming into the year that have impressed you. I mean, I – I would yeah. say he was unproven. But I think Joe Evans. Yeah. He had a good game yesterday. Yeah, he did. I thought John I thought John Wagner's been better than a lot of people expected too. I think he's got to just continue to develop the pass rush. But I think this Iowa team, Sean's done a great job of when they know they can't get to the quarterback. They are getting their hands up and they are affecting passes yeah. to the line of scrimmage. And that's just as good as the sack in all reality a lot of the times. I'm gonna go Justin Jacobs. I know it was kind of expected he'd take a big step forward, but until you really see tangible evidence on the field, you can only write about him so much or write about players so much. And his athleticism, I mean, he's even more athletic than I thought, Sean. I mean, he's he he's gonna be really, really good. And I think what a luxury for Iowa. I think they could effectively run a four two five and a four three. Go go right with Belton or Jacobs. So I'll go with him. Uh when do we start uh requiring rent from Cyhawk trophy? Erd, we had a true freshman long snapper on the botched field goal. Did he play last week? Correct me if I'm wrong. The true freshman came in 
Austin Spiewak was the long snapper for the field goal itself, right? I could be I could be wrong. I can't I honestly couldn't remember which one it was. I, I know it was either. Uh, I know it's Luke Elkin is the true freshman long snapper, but I couldn't tell you exactly which play it was on that he was in. I'd have to go back and Well, they had the the high snap. Yeah, I know, but I wasn't sure if that was, if it was that play or they put him in for the next play. That's yeah. Well, I'll I'll go back when I do my film breakdown. I'll go back and I'll look at the first field goal and I'll see who it was. Uh, on a sad note, until the last Iowa State touchdown, Iowa's defense outscored the opposing offense twenty-one sixteen. Why hasn't Tracy gotten more receptions? I mean, I think we touched on it earlier, but I'll just repeat it really quick. I think him not getting out of his breaks. I think Petrus just not seeing him downfield at times has played a factor. Um, and when Iowa needs to check down, they're going to take the safe yards rather than go for the home run. Pretty much sum it up, Sean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how much of the takeaways are hiding Iowa's deficiencies? I I don't think it really does because they're they're taking it away and we're only through two games. So I oh, think the oh, go ahead. offense, I think it's showing some of the offense's deficiencies. I mean, I think the offensive deficiencies are evident. Yeah. But, you know, I think it hides it a little more. I think so too. But as far as the defense, I mean, Look, Iowa's not getting to the quarterback at a high rate right now because they don't just have that proven explosive veteran guy. Like Van Valkenburg's consistent on the edge, but he's not going to be that hardcore pass rusher, you know. But Iowa's staying in their gaps, and they're staying fundamentally sound, and that's all they really need to do in the back seven is that good. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it shows much about the defense. I think it does show more about the offense. But, again, I think the offense right now through this point and what we've seen, it speaks for itself. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have a couple of basketball questions. We'll dive into that during our podcast this week when we preview the Kent State game. So I'll, I'll save the questions. I'll answer those on the board. You want to do that? Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, how concerned should fans be about the offensive line, wide receivers, and Petrus? How much the problem is going to go away once shots back. We, we dove into it. I, I think the receivers are fine. They just need to find a way to get the ball, and I think good protection, if they can find a way to pass block more consistently and give Petrus more time, I think it's going to solve itself. The one thing I will say about Petrus, he's not – he may be taking sacks at, on, you know, in opposing territory, which needs to go away, Sean, but he's not throwing passes that he did last year and putting them in harm's way. Like these are like a lot of his passes, they're not, they have little to no chance of getting intercepted. I think he's been very good about that, whether it be because of checkdowns or whatever, and maybe not taking as many deep shots as he maybe did earlier last year. He has not put the ball in harm's way so far. And I think, I think that still needs to be noted. I wonder if that's why he took as many sacks as he did yesterday. Just what? That like he just doesn't want to take the risk of throwing the deep ball like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, that's a good point, maybe. But at the end of the day, too, I think that the timer needs to go off in the quarterback's head. And at that point, just get rid of the ball and at least save the points. So I get maybe not trying to throw downfield, but even, I mean, that's a good incompletion. If you're about to get sacked, nothing's there, and you throw the ball out of bounds and you save a field goal opportunity, that's a good incompletion. 
because you're still putting uh, have a shot to put points on the board. But by taking the sack, it just takes you completely out of the equation. And yeah, Tory Taylor, to be fair, the best Iowa offense and defense again could come from Tory Taylor because if it's a short punt, he can pin them within the 10 yard line, which is what he's 20 yard. I mean, it's what he's consistently done. Uh, so again, it's kind of one of those depends on the style of football you want to play. If it's new Kirk or old Kirk, you know, uh, Let's see how, when will you see the freshman wide receivers? Will the lack of offensive playmakers catch up to Iowa in conference play? I think you'll see a lot of Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce in the next two weeks. I mean, I think they'll have a shot to play. Maybe they can prove I think, I think you'll see more, but I don't know. I don't know if you'll see a lot. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point too, because I was just trying to get the confidence from their starting units. They might play them longer. They might play them until five minutes left in the fourth quarter and then just run the ball out. So uh, let's see. It was, will the lack of offensive playmakers catch up to Iowa in conference play? Again, I think, I don't think Iowa lacks playmakers. I really don't. I think there's a protection problem and there's just not a lot of confidence going around. But like, I think we've seen what Tyrone Tracy can do. Nico Regani, if, you know, if he can get going, he's a reliable weapon. Sam Laporta has proven. And I really like what I've seen out of Luke Lachey through these first two games. He's had a big catch in each of them. He's blocking well, which is a was a big thing for him coming in. And he's a – I know, again, I, I, I really think he could be a red zone threat later on in the year. I think he's got that sort of ceiling. And Tyler Goodson is first-team All-Big Ten running back. I don't think it's offensive playmakers. I think better protection and confidence from the tackles specifically – I think that's going to go a long way into solving those issues. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Oh, uh, let's see. Why hasn't Peters been able to throw the long ball consistently since he's practicing so hard on all spring and summer? I know he's missed a couple, but at the same time, I think we've seen him make those 15 yard throws that he did even struggle with last year. And, you know, hitting like there was a drop by Sam Laporta yesterday. It was a great mm-hmm. throw by Petrus, I think, on that third and long. I thought he made a great he made a great throw on it. I don't think he's had the time. I don't think the plays have been able to develop to take those sort of deep shots, Sean. I really don't. I think that the defenses have been able to get in the backfield. And the reality is, Petrus, I think, can hit that when he sets his feet and he can go through the motion. The biggest problem he has is not resetting his feet after he has to either escape the pocket or maneuver in the pocket. If he can step back and stay in his mechanics i i really think he can hit it because guess what he hit the 26 yarder yesterday and he was staying in the pocket he stayed strong in it and he delivered it and i think that's what he, he showed i mean he's got the potential to be able to do it yeah it all comes down to getting his feet underneath him and just being composed i think that's really mando that's kind of thing for all quarterbacks but especially comes you know it's notable with peters for sure uh, do you think the offense play calling is because of situations the defense has put Iowa in, or, or are you concerned? Uh, I I actually thought Brian called a good game yesterday. I, I I know people are gonna look at the yardage and maybe cringe when I say that, but 
I think specifically, Sean, of that first touchdown drive, the 49 yarder, there was that second and third down play call. And I looked at you and I said, dude, that was, those are two outstanding play calls that got them into the first and goal situation. Again, I think it's all about letting the plays develop and taking what the defense gives you. But like you said, Iowa State's defense is going to be one of the best defenses they face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the Potomac runs. I thought that was a pretty cool touch. Yep. I thought that was an interesting way of going about it. And I mean, they were effective. I think he got like five and three yards out of both of them. So those were those were smart play calls at the right times too. Yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't really worry about that. I, I think I think Brian is going to continue to develop. And, I, you know, I do think Iowa needs to find a way to get the Wildcat going. I think it's a whole different look, and I think it can produce some big things down the stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. How serious is – how serious of a problem is it that Iowa State was getting pressure while only rushing three? I mean, it, it's a problem. I mean, it, there's, there's really no two way about it because they can drop I mean, That's part of the reason why Iowa's wide receivers can't get open. If you don't have protection, you can have the best receivers. You can have everybody. You're not going to be able to move the football. And I think Iowa's interior is pretty settled, but again, that's why, you know, people may scoff at it. I'm going to repeat it though, Sean, the next two weeks for the offensive tackles are the most important two weeks of the entire season. I, I don't know, really know how much more we can really dive into it. They just need to keep getting in-game reps. They got to continue to get experience. They got to continue to develop. But I would like to see Mason Richmond take a step forward. And I, I really think Jack Plum's got to find a way to solidify one of the spots. He's the most veteran experienced guy at a tackle spot. And I'm not, you know, I'm, it's not a shot against him or anything like that. But he's got to be able to win that, win one of those jobs. And he's really got to be able to hold down the outside. I do think one of the things that was interesting with Richmond is Kirk mentioned a couple weeks ago um, that Richmond was kind of resilient throughout fall camp. You know, he'd have a bad day and he'd come back and have a really good day or like at least battle to have a good day. So I think consistency, and we've seen that through the first two games, I think consistency is a really big thing for him. And, you know, just getting that, you know, just, you know, just getting, just getting set, I guess on the line and you know just knowing that like he he can play like I'm not I'm not saying he doesn't think he can play but um just finding that consistency is huge it is and I think that about wraps up all of our questions I know the AP poll is going to come out here in about five minutes I would slot them at three or four strictly because of the resume that's it compared to everybody else I will say, though, I do think Iowa is a top 10 football team in the country at this point, based on what I've looked at across the country. I think Alabama, Georgia are head and shoulders above everybody. I really don't know what to make of Oregon right now, Sean. I know they beat Ohio State, but I'm not really sure what to make of Ohio State right now either. Right. Um, And I guess the last talking point, I, I do think we need to mention this, too, is How is this team going to respond going forward? Because all offseason, when we talked about this, Sean, in person, I think on the boards and stuff, you know, I've said Iowa's going into this game with a chip on their shoulder because everybody was praising Iowa State going into this game. Iowa State was a favorite, and Iowa felt a little bit disrespected. And I think you saw that in the reaction of Kirk Ferentz when he talked to Holly Rowe on the sidelines after the game. I mean, he got emotional when he said, yeah, Iowa's still here. And he said, yeah. And he kind of got did like the most grandpa laugh I think I've ever heard in my entire yeah. life. 
<laughs> but how is this younger team going to respond? Because guess what? I, I know Jack Campbell talked passionately about the underdog, the Iowa mentality, said we're kind of mutts. Not anymore. This, they're they're going to be a top five, top six team in the country with that realistic shot at starting six and zero or five and zero going into Penn State. And if Penn State wins out, that's a top five, top seven matchup. That will be the epicenter of college football for that weekend. Like, I know they're going to try to keep that mindset, Sean, but the reality is Iowa right now is they're getting as much buzz as I think they've gotten this early in the season in the entire Kirk Ferentz era. Well, I don't team with two better wins Iowa right now. I There isn't. Yeah. I mean, Iowa's the only one with two ranked wins. And that's for itself, too. I mean, Indiana and Iowa State, those a lot of people were talking super highly into the year. Like, like you know, new potential new – I mean, more Iowa State, but potential – being a New Year's Six team, like a college football playoff team. I mean, the season's still young, but so like just to come in and, you know, play the that you have against those two teams is like, I mean, I don't think. And especially for Iowa, who traditionally starts out slower. I mean, they came out red hot out of the gate. The defense was already intact. Again, I, I, I hate using this because I know we're supposed to be the ones breaking it down, but I'm just very curious about this team because – the, uh, we, we talked about this when we previewed the entire season, Sean. If they start out 2-0, and like, this is going to be – this is going to be a talked-about team. This is going to be – okay, this could be one of those potentially special Iowa seasons. And based on the stuff I've read from national writers, I mean, it, Iowa's not a, 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 a contender for the Big Ten West. They're talking already about they need they have a shot to be the Big Ten's best team already to this point and should be by the end of the season. Like this is the highest expectations, especially with the Ohio State losing yesterday to Oregon and what they've said. I think Ohio State's gonna get together and boat race people in the Big Ten. Like let's let's be not let's be realistic. Yeah. But for a team that basically played during a lot of the main contributors played during a COVID year. And we're overlooked, especially after losing the first two games. This is going to be a lot of the team, like a lot of the players and contributors on the team. This is the first time they've really received a lot of buzz. So, I mean, yeah. are they start out slow against Kent State or they could come out guns a blazing? Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that earlier, too. It's going to be, I wouldn't say set the tone for the rest of the season, but I think it's going to be an indicator of what this team could potentially do the rest of the year. There's no doubt about that. I think it's going to be, you know, how they go about these two weeks, I think could also, you know, potentially, yeah, show how they come out against a team like Maryland, honestly. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be really interesting to see how, how things go from here and, you know, what the potential ceiling of this team is. It's also curious. I'm also buying a couple minutes so I can, you know, release the AP ranking in this. Uh, but I will say too, Sean, I mean, when they step down the competition though, as far as the Kent State and Colorado State, how are they going to respond going, uh, going back to Big Ten play? You know what I mean? Because, look, I mean, Maryland's still a different caliber team than Kent State, Colorado State. I mean, they, have, they, got, they do have some talent. Um, I mean, obviously, those are questions going forward. And let's see. Uh, oh, TJ Hawkinson scored a touchdown. And a really random note, 
Uh, Bakari Evelyn, former Iowa guard, has now signed his first professional basketball contract as of about 30 minutes ago. So, anyway, thought that was worth noting as well. But, yeah, Iowa start out 2-0. Again, HawkeyeInsider.com. Uh, get two months of VIP access for a dollar. Pro football focus grades every single week. There's I mean, complete total coverage of everything. I mean, we had an incredibly busy day yesterday. Obviously, Iowa landed Council Bluffs guard Josh Dix. We were all over that as well. But, uh, yeah, be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, and at Hawkeyes on 247 and be sure to go to HawkeyeInsider.com. I try to buy as much time as I can, but the AP poll is not released yet. I'm sure right as I press end, it will. So go to HawkeyeInsider.com to see that. Uh, but we'll talk to you in a couple of days, and uh, we'll preview all things Iowa, Kent State, as Iowa returns home. Thanks, guys, for listening, and uh, talking in a few days. Take care.